light a campfire, and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Welcome to Leave Our World a Better Place. My name is Kasha, and today I'll be speaking to interior design gurus, Chris Brown and Deborah Fox, from Fox Brown Creative, who join us to talk about the relationship between luxury and comfort in design. Welcome, Chris and Deborah. Thank you. Hi, Katia. It's good to be back. This is a concept that applies not only to luxury lodge design, but also to the average person who is trying to create a stylish design for their home. There's frequently the sense that there's a kind of tension between luxury and style, and yet functionality and comfort. That's something that you've always solved so well at the End Beyond Lodges, which are really known for providing everything that a guest could possibly want without losing the element of style. As interior designers, what are the factors that you consider when designing to ensure that the end result is not only stylish and luxurious, but also comfortable, practical and user-friendly? Well, I guess it starts with with telling the truth, actually. It's Mm -hmm. about being sincere and real and finding materials that are honest and have integrity and are of good quality. And Mm -hmm. if you start with those ingredients in mind and then decide what is appropriate and what does the guest really need, then you're halfway there to creating a really beautiful space that doesn't jar and is easy on the eye and doesn't overwhelm guests because that's something that I think we're often in danger of doing by Mm -hmm. giving too much. So that's what we do. We start with the beautiful, honest building materials. You try and choose fabrics that have got some integrity to them, that they haven't got nasty, too much polyester and horrible ingredients in them. And you just really, I think that that fuss is how we start, isn't it? So Mm -hmm. important. I think it's also so important to consider what luxury really is because it has to be appropriate for the area. Luxury is many things to different people and many different things in different places. And we have to find what the luxury of the the area is of the luxury of the, the luxury of the setting we need to yeah. find what that is yeah the essence of the luxury mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a view you know sometimes it's just a little simple tent like uh, under canvas in this most spectacular location with uh, because i mean really luxury a comfortable chair is luxury dining in a fancy dining room or is luxury dining under a million stars both are luxury mm-hmm. and both work in different settings so that is really what we look we're on the site. We go and look for the truth of the site, as Chris said. Yeah, and, and, and often, you know, the, we have to be realistic when we do these things. There are development budgets that we all have to stick to, and, you know, there's a, a, a finite... Practical yeah, constraints. Constraints <laughs> that you have to work in. And, uh, and so I think, you know, we, we balance all of this and, and hopefully come out the other end with a, with a product that delights guests. That's a real luxury, delighting the guests. You speak about delighting guests, but I think that's also a little bit of a trademark in what you do, not just from the design side, but in what you do as a company, taking it from the design element through to hospitality training. Yeah, absolutely. I think because luxury is not just the object. Luxury is a combination of the what and the how. When those two are married, that's when you really get the magic. If we have just beautiful things and a beautiful setting, but the service and the way people are taken care of is a disaster, that's not luxury. Mm-hmm. So true luxury is combining all those elements. It's when some of its parts come together to create that moment. Of course, as you said previously, it's about doing the right thing for the right person at the right time. And it also goes to knowing your guest. What is the kind of research or development that you do at that stage when you're trying to match the right level of luxury to the right guest profile? 
Well, yeah. First, I mean, the first question we ask always is, who is the guest? Who is this guest? You know, is it a luxury adventure traveler or is it a really soft adventure traveler? Or, you know, what is the profile? And we like to get under the skin of that personal persona and design around that. And often when you do that, it takes away a lot of the anxiety from the project team. You know, you take out your personal design. You say, well, what is good for this guest? And you constantly bring every design decision back to that that moment. It's how you break through the clutter. Because, you know, in design, everyone thinks they're a designer, and everyone is. Everyone has an opinion, everyone has taste, everyone mm. has their own style, and real luxury is meeting your own style. And so when, you, when you're when uh, designing for mm-hmm. a, a number of people, shareholders, owners, the guests, the, the project manager. team, the lodge manager, <laughs> somebody's brother, etc., etc., if you have a very clear vision of who the guest is and what they expect, you bring all your decisions back to that, which keeps it totally on track. So one of the elements is really getting to know your target audience. And I think the other element you have mentioned is also having a sense of place and a sense of what luxury is in that particular location. When you're working with design and every lodge is trying to outdo the other, and there's so many competitors in this specific area, how do you actually ensure that you stay true to the setting and that you don't overwhelm that particular site with what you're trying to achieve? I think it comes back to my earlier point about Choosing materials and, and, and objects with integrity. So choosing fewer, fewer better things in that mm-hmm. space so you're not competing. Because that's, that's hard to do. Practice restraint, actually. And do, do less is more when instinctively we want to be more is more. So you constantly have to hold back a little bit. And I think if you do that, then the right outcome appears. And we also do a little bit of research, as much research as we can, on on the region that we're building in and what is considered culturally appropriate, what is considered luxury in that that region, and how we can interpret that to deliver that experience to the guest. It's very important for us. Yeah, and how and how to interpret what's cultural appropriation and what isn't and what's appropriate in terms of regional custom and tribal things that are going on in the area. We try and layer what we yeah. can into it. Yeah. So but it's so it's easy um, to make a twee, isn't it? Yeah, it's to make a make a cheesier pastiche. You can fall into that trap pretty easily, and God knows we have made mistakes in the past. We try not to, but we've learned a thing or two. Yeah, yeah. but one of the things, um, Cassia, we always bring in if we can bring the tradition of the area or the local culture of the area in a in a new way or in an, a refined way, that is really luxury. The, when when guests can experience something that they can't. Google, or they can't buy online, or they can't see online, and everything is online nowadays, you know. So if we can create that in our designs through the spaces we create, the tactile moments we create, and the emotional connections that we allow to happen in those spaces, then that's when when I think we, could, we get luxury right. That element that you speak about, bringing through the cultural associations of an area, that must be so difficult to achieve, especially in a new and interesting way. How do you do that? You must have this absolutely incredible database of local providers, people who do things in creative ways. We're often reminded how ignorant we are, you know, at the get-go, you know, when we embark on these creative journeys. You think you know it all, but then, boy, you discover something you didn't know about a material or a culture or a custom. So it's really, it's exciting all the time. And But we would do things, I mean, a, a simple example, if I could give you one, is, is in Zululand, there's an amazing weaving craft with basketware. 
Now we could use that basket, it's often used as mats or rugs on the floor, and it's often used obviously in decorative baskets. And we would take that mat maybe and we used it as a headboard in at Pinder Homestead. Now that clearly is something that is regionally appropriate, made locally, it is a cultural, it's a piece of cultural art that's used there, but it's just used in a way that wouldn't normally be used. And that's how we would interpret. Sometimes we would use it on the ceiling, or we would, you know, we take it and, and reinvent it in some small way. Yeah, it's challenging and it's fun. Can you give us a couple of examples of your personal highlights of where you feel you have created this incredible amalgamation between luxury and comfort? I should think of our, of our recent work. I think the Pinder Homestead demonstrates in the bedrooms where we've taken material. I mean, our whole design ethos was about the Zulu weave and the material, the grass, grass weaving and Elala palm weaving. And we applied that methodology onto all the textures and all the surfaces. So from the ceiling to the curtains to the, the fabrics we chose, that there's this thick, chunky weave that goes through everything. And when we put it all together, it was so powerful when those textures all came together, and, but in a very simple way and in a very unassuming way. But it was just, if you look closely, you feel the luxury of all these very simple materials coming together. And that was really, that was exciting. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. that. And I think we, we, we're busy working on um, Grumetti, River Lodge, if that ever gets rebuilt, and Punaka. And we're doing some very exciting things there too, using the fabrics of the Great Lakes in Western Serengeti. And I think we, we're really trying to capture it more and more because I think that's what the luxury traveler is looking for. When you look at luxury lodges these days, there's so much that has already been done. It must be incredibly challenging to try and find something that's new and fresh and that meets the expectations of guests who are increasingly better traveled and demanding, but yet looking for something that they haven't seen before. Exactly. It is more, more and more challenging. And it's, it's also more challenging to try not to dumb down the creative or fresh ideas because often if, if people haven't seen them before, they're often scared to try them or to to venture out with something that a guest may not like. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, you don't know if you're going to like it, if it's something totally new. So we often get pushback mm -hmm. from clients of ours wanting to stick with a more conventional application of, of a cultural reference. Really challenging for us. Often, often a discussion, not with Ambion, but with, with other clients, the, the opening line is, I want the most unique lodge in the whole world. And we say, okay, what is what unique? Is unique? <laughs> okay, what's your unique? And then you slowly... It and, and, and drill down, and then you find out that actually, mm -hmm. oh, unique is actually a very simple thing. Mm. You know, it's not pretense and too much. Bigger and more. It, and... It's simple and honest. It comes back to that honesty yeah. thing again. Deborah, a little earlier on, you mentioned Punaka River Lodge. That is the project that you have been working on for and Beyond in Bhutan. I know it's on hold at the moment while borders are closed and nothing can really happen, but I think it's a really interesting place. Bhutan is really fascinating in that it's such a simple and straightforward place in one way, with such a simple way of life, really paired back to the bare essentials. And yet the culture is so incredible and amazing and rich, with decorations and paintings and beautiful objects wherever the eye can reach. Can you tell me a little more about the design principles that you've applied to that project? How are you combining the comfort necessary in what can be a very active outdoor destination with a sense of luxury that is appropriate to the setting and its heritage? Chris can talk to that. Um, you know, it's, Bhutan is a very challenging, for creatively, a very challenging place to work in because 
culturally, as you say, it's so rich and uh, it's so dominant, the custom and the, the craft and the embellishment and all the beautiful mm -hmm. Buddhist design that goes on there. And also the government in Persia is quite strict about what you can and can't build. So everything has to be built in the traditional architecture. So in a way, it, it lacks a little, to be honest, my feeling is it's lacking in a little bit of diversity, which you need to make something interesting. So we've, we've got this very intense ingredients we have to follow from the architecture and what's available in the country, which is great. Luckily before us, there's been lots of other operators who've come into Bhutan and they've kind of paved the way and in a sense made it a little easier for us to choose a different direction. So we inherited the, uh, many of the buildings on the site, uh, which was a very mm -hmm. little fishing camp, the tented suites and a, and a small sort of stone guest area, all built in that sort of Bhutanese highland pine. And the look we're taking it is we've just changed the palette completely because all over Bhutan you see the beautiful rich reds and golds and um, the kind of more spicy palette. We've made ours more blue. We've been inspired by the Bhutanese poppy, which is this beautiful color. And so we've got more blue, steel grays, and, and toned it down a little bit and rely really very much on texture. So again, we're doing the weave. There's loads of basket weaving in, in Bhutan and in neighboring Assam in India. So there's, there's a wonderful texture that we're bringing in. And we discovered this incredible craftsman while we were, while we were traveling there who works in beaten brass. And uh, they do a lot of work in brass uh, in Bhutan as well. But going to his factory, the simple, simple factory, literally underneath his home, the few little pieces that he was doing, hand beating and smelting the copper and the brass. It was beautiful to see. So we incorporated quite a few of his pieces and, and his work into the lodge as yeah. well. So we've got this, this, this layering of these very luxurious textures in the brass and then very simple textures in the woven mats and the textiles. So it's exciting. We think it's, it's turned out to be really nice. I'm sure I don't know if the, when the renders have been released. It's a sweet little bit. It's going to be really sweet. I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. Of course, one of the other things that you've done a bit differently is that the lodge is almost a tented structure superimposed onto a wooden skeleton. Is that correct? Yeah, so it was it was a traditional sort of timber uh, Bhutanese little structure, the, 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 the main structure, and then it's got a, a canvas tent sort of inserted inside it. So the internal structure is canvas, but the, the overall framework is timber. So it's quite, it's quite an interesting combination. It's unusual for Bhutan. Their tents are also usually quite embellished and very uh, ornate and because they, they, their tents follow the festivals across Bhutan. They're very, very elaborate and, and ornate. And, and this is quite a typically safari tent, yeah. actually. Very pared down. It's actually from, you know, from Ladysmith Canvas in, in South Africa. Who work with us here. But then what we've done is um, we've taken all the beautiful Bhutan, Bhutanese fabrics and brass and, as Chris said, the weave, and we layer the tent internally. So when you approach the tent, it looks so simple and and safari-like, which it was built as you know initially for um, for canoeing safaris, I suppose, and um, kind of safaris. And, and and then you go into the tent, and it's like a like a little jewel of, of interesting Bhutanese um, artwork, a uh, handiwork. Yeah. To always give the guests a sense of place, we have to remind them always that they are in Bhutan, but in a new way. That's the luxury of traveling, isn't it? It's exploring new places, and it wouldn't be right if everything looked the same. Yeah, and, and also, again, you know, it's often not a free palette, a free thing. You know, we had, there's lots of input. You had the owner of the lodge at the time, you had his say, obviously, and beyond requirements. 
there's the legal requirements of the area, the cultural requirements. So you can't always just go in and do what you want always. There's always some level of compromise. But I think we, we came out with a really good product at the end of it. It sounds absolutely fantastic. I'm aware that with things being as uncertain as they are, there's no set opening date yet. But whenever it does happen, I have no doubt that it's going to be absolutely fabulous. Yeah, yeah we I hope so. Wait. We hope so. We're ready. <laughs> thank you so much, Chris and Deborah. On that high note, thank you for joining us once again. And we look forward to speaking to you again. All right. Thanks so much, Cassia. It's a great Thanks pleasure. To Bye. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about And Beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.